After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
In the AM. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Round the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and of course on the NSN app. And already I see some already I see some activity on the NSN app. Trucker Yitz tells us, "Wake up, Yisrael! <laughs> Happy Monday!" Listening on the app in Denver, Pennsylvania. How do you like that? Thanks to everybody who's been commenting on the app all weekend long. It's much appreciated. All through our programming Friday and Saturday night and Sunday. Get some uh, great comments on the home screen of the NSN app. And um, 
we appreciate you doing that. Thanks to everybody out there who's tuned in all weekend long. It's also a great feeling knowing that we're providing amazing service and great content throughout the weekend for people to enjoy and to gain from and to uh, enhance their weekend. It is much appreciated. Had a Baruch Levine sneak into that set twice. You had the Solomon Brothers with Omdo Tayu, Atta Echad from Baruch Levine. Sheves Chaveirim had Elio Anavi, Zed done by Yaeli Greenfeld. Baruch Levine with Ashrei Mi, Masach HaShem, that's our Monday morning theme song from Mayor Sherman. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. JM in the AM with 45 degrees, afternoon showers and a high temperature of 53. Tonight, partly cloudy, a low temperature of 36. Tomorrow, sunshine, a high temperature, 49 degrees. 57 right now in Yerushalayim, that's not bad. If we get there and it's 57 degrees, that's not so bad. 45 here in Jersey City, that's not so bad either. On a February 1st morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, speaking of Israel, our big thanks to uh, Mr. A. Banda and everybody at Pomegranate in Brooklyn, New York. They are the, um, the presenters of our programming next week from Israel. We head to the Holy Land and uh, basically do shows from places that we just want to remind people how amazing they are. That's really what it's all about. And we'll be doing that next week, Bezrat Hashem, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, the big news for this weekend, of course, is the Kosher Halftime Show. It seems everybody's talking about it. Lipa's been announced. The sandwich has to be named. If you haven't yet tossed in a uh, suggestion for a name for the sandwich, you can do so. On our Facebook update page, Nachum Siegel Network. And, um, yeah, so that has to be named. Lipa is ready for 9 o'clock this coming Saturday night. It's going to be at the uh, Teaneck Doghouse in Teaneck, New Jersey. We record it then on Saturday night. We uh, incorporate it into the uh, halftime proceedings on Sunday when we make it available to the public. And we want to thank everybody, the Jewish Link of New Jersey and Shari Tzedek Hospital and Yeshiva University and um, the Neshama Orchestra, and of course the Teaneck Doghouse, everybody's had a role in making this year's edition of the Kosher Halftime Show extremely exciting. 6.35, 25 minutes before 7 o'clock on a Monday with 45 degrees, afternoon showers, and a high temperature of 53. My name is Nachum Siegel. We continue at 91.1 FM. 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial. Round the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app.
אותך אל יגשים משאלתך, שתעשה בשביל אחר, והוא למענך, שתיגע בכל כוכב, תטפס על כל שלב, שתישאר צעיר לנצח, שתגדל להיות צודק, שתדע לראות האור, ולמצוא את האמת, בתוך החושך הגדול, שתמיד תהיה חזק, אל תשחק את המשחק, שתישאר צעיר לנצח.
شام یا شب گام بخینو بزخرینو استیای حالا از شام یا شب گام بخینو بزخرینو Thank you. 
That's Shia Rubenstein. Tick Tock is the name of that selection here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, you heard the uh, uh, you heard the um, Yehuda Green selection. Al Naros Bavel, Nochi Krohn, who's going to have a lot more to do with this kosher halftime show on uh, this coming weekend than you think, and we'll explain that as the week goes on. You heard him with Tzayshom Shalom, Rami Kleinstein out of Israel with Tzayir Lanetzach. And uh, Shalshelis Jr. had Thankful, which is the title track of their uh, most recent CD, Shalshelis Jr. Volume Number 3. Zusha opened up that set with East Shtetl off their brand new album entitled Kavana. 7 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. Thanks for heading back to school and back to with us. Back to school and back to work with us here at JM in the AM. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. We have a news from Israel coming up. Golly, it's all in the background. We'll do that on the, uh, on the way here at JM and the AM. I want to thank Elliot Weiselberg. Great edition of Court Report last night. On our stream at jmnam.org every single Sunday night at 7 o'clock. And playoff time is really upon us. So he spent a lot of time on the playoff picture, and I thank him for that. I want to thank those who are commenting on the NSN app. It's very simple. When you get to the NSN app, all you got to do is go to the home screen. You can comment on anything that's happening right now as the show progresses, and we thank you for that. And Kosher Halftime Show is going to be uh, recorded in advance Saturday night, just hours before the actual halftime show with Alipa. And the reaction on Facebook to the fact that Leap is doing the show is pretty positive, to say the least. Everyone's expecting a an amazing performance by him this coming Saturday night. You'll see it when we make it public this coming Sunday. If you're at the Teaneck Doghouse on Saturday night, you get a sneak preview. Rehearsal at 8.30, 9 o'clock for the actual recording of the Kosher Halftime Show. And we are very much looking forward to it. And our thanks to our friends at Yeshiva University and Shari Tzedek and the Teaneck Doghouse and the Neshama Orchestra and uh, Jewish Link of New Jersey, all of whom are participating with us this coming Saturday night and Sunday. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Monday is next to JMN. Stein, can Iran Eliakim, Ima Shikoreachav, Mandelblit, Binkom Weinstein, Nichnasle Tafkidoi, Oetza Mishpati Hadash, La Memshala, Medveach Katavenu, Romlio. בשעה זו נערך טקס חילופי היועץ במעמד היועץ המשפטי לממשלה היוצא יהודה ויינשטיין, היועץ הנכנס אביחי מנדלבליט, נשיא המדינה ריבלין ובכירים רבים במערכת המשפט הישראלית. תאונתו של מנדלבליט תימשך שש שנים עד ל-1 בפברואר 2022, ובמהלכה יהיה עליו ככל הנראה להכריע בין היתר בפרשת מעונות ראש הממשלה ופרשת השחיתות הציבורית. שמור על עצמאותך, קרא למנדלבליט שרת המשפטים, איילת שקד. אותם גורמים הרבה עוצמה שניסו לחבל במינויך, ינסו להשפיע עליך ועל החלטותיך. שמור על עצמאותך וישאר נאמן לחוק ולאמת. אין לי ספק שאם תוסיף ללכת בדרך הזו, תשכיל להוביל את מוסד היועץ בהצלחה, לנווט את אתגרי המערכת ולמלא את התפקיד הרגיש והמורכב הזה. 
קריסת מגה, רשות ההגבלים העסקיים לא תאפשר למכור את החברה כמקשה אחת לרמי לוי או לשופרסל, כתבנו תומר ורון. גורמים בכירים ברשות ההגבלים העסקיים דיברו באחרונה מספר פעמים עם שלושת הנאמנים של רשת מגה והביעו הסתייגות חד משמעית מכך שהרשת תירכש כולה על ידי רמי לוי או שופרסל, משום שעסקה כזאת תפגע קשות בתחרות. בהמשך השבוע צפויים הנאמנים לפרסם את המכרז למכירתה של הרשת. הופסקו ניתוחים שאינם דחופים בבתי החולים באזור המרכז, דיווחה לראשונה כתבתנו יערה שפירא. הסיבה, עומס השפעת הרב במחלקות. המשנה למנכ"ל משרד הבריאות, הפרופסור ארנון אפק, שוחח עם רינו צרור. אתמול בלילה אכן היה עומס חריג הייתי אומר, ולכן על פי הנחיות משרד הבריאות אנחנו קודם כל מטפלים בדברים דחופים, וזה בדיוק הייתה ההנחיה אתמול בערב. בני 13 חשודים בהשחתת בית ספרם, כשנשאלו למה, ענו סתם, מדווחת הדס שטייף. דלתות, מחשבים, חלונות מנופצים, מדפסות ולוחות כתיבה שבורים, זה מה שגילו הבוקר תלמידי בית ספר באלעד. חקירת המשטרה הובילה לארבעה נערים בני 13, שהסיבה למעשה ההרס שביצעו, לטענתם, הייתה סתם. בימים הקרובים יוגש נגדם כתב אישום. התיק נגד חבר הכנסת לשעבר ינון מגל נסגר סופית. איתמר קציר מדווח. הפרקליטות קיבלה את המלצת המשטרה והודיעה למגל כי התיק נגדו נסגר. על פי ההודעה, בשניים מהמקרים נסגר התיק בשל חוסר אשמה, ובשלישי מכלול הנסיבות לא הצדיקה העמדה לדין. בשבוע שעבר, לאחר פרסום המלצת המשטרה, קרא מגל לאנשים שהעידו נגדו ברשתות החברתיות בטענה כי הטריד אותן מינית, להגיש נגדו תלונה רשמית במשטרה. מזג האוויר הלילה יהיה קר, מחר שלישי תכן גשם מקומי ותחול ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות. הקרן לנזקי טבע מעריכה כי נזקי מזג האוויר בשבוע שחלף נאמדים ב-14 מיליון שקלים, מרביתם אצל חקלאים בדרום. מהקרן נמסר לכתבנו רמי שני כי עיקר הנזק נובע מהכרה ומההצפות. אלה החדשות שעורך עומר בן רובי. Thank <laughs> you. 
Shalom, 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 
J.M. and the A.M. It's Yosef Chaim with Yerushalayim. 11 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning. It's Monday at J.M. They had lots of people back from vacation. A whole bunch of folks are uh, ready for a normal, so to speak, Monday. Heading back to school and back to work with us here at J.M. and the A.M. It's much appreciated. Kosher Halftime Show coming up later in the week, of course. Recording that at the Teaneck Doghouse is coming Saturday night. We'll meet some of the people involved. In that project, next week scheduled from Israel, where our friend from uh, Pomegranate, Mr. A. Banda, is uh, presenting our Jewish Unity Initiative from places in Israel that have been uh, in the news recently, and where we're going to get an opportunity to visit and encourage people to visit, and uh, hopefully get the message across that the uh, active corridor between North America and really all the diaspora and Israel must remain as active as possible. Visits to Israel are key at this time. And that is our goal for next week right here at JM in the AM. 12 minutes after 7 o'clock with afternoon showers and a high temperature of 53. 45 degrees right now. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM, that is the um, Shlemy Gertner selection entitled, excuse me, that was the, uh, yeah, Shlemy Gertner, that is correct. Uh, before that, you heard Yosef Chaim here at Jam in the AM, 17 minutes after 7 o'clock with 45 degrees afternoon showers and a high temperature of 53. Kosher halftime show seems to be what everyone's talking about, and Lipo, of course, is the guest star this coming Saturday night. It's happening at the Teaneck Doghouse in Teaneck, New Jersey. And uh, you are invited. Yeah, it's open to the public. You're invited to be there for the 8.30 p.m. rehearsal if there's space, or if there's not space, you're invited. <laughs> 9 o'clock for the official show, and that'll be made available during halftime on Sunday, uh, as has become a tradition here at JM and AM. And some of the key people that are behind the Kosher Halftime Show will be introduced to you coming up right here at JM and AM, so keep it here for that. I'll have that for you in the next few minutes right here at JM in the AM. Yaakov Shweki is next. Keep it here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with Benny Free Minutes called Bum Bum. Yaakov Shweki with 8 Rakod, 26 minutes after 7 o'clock. At times during our presentation here at J.M. in the A.M., we study the laws of Chesed, Avas Chesed, in memory of my mother, Esther Bas Rabi Yosef Halevi. Uh, Chavetz Chaim writes as follows, If a lender wants to send his agent to the borrower's house to recover a security, that too is forbidden. But if he sends his agent to the borrower's house to ask him to send him a security using the agent as a proxy, that question requires more careful study. Uh, if the lender said to his agent, go to the borrower's house and tell him to bring me a security to guarantee the loan he owes me, then it is permissible for the agent to go inside the borrower's house and tell him what the lender said, since the agent himself is not empowered to remove a secu- recover a security from the borrower, but merely to repeat to him what the lender said. And in that framework, it's my opinion, writes the Chavetz Chaim, that even if the borrower gives him a security to take to the lender, that would also be permitted to take it uh, from him, since at that point he's acting as the agent of the borrower and not as the agent of the lender. I thank you as we continue to go through Sefer Avas Chesed of the Chavetz Chaim in memory of my mother, Esther Basar Yosef Alevi. It is much appreciated. J.M. in the A.M. at 28 minutes after 7 o'clock on this Monday. Back to school, back to work. Don't forget, full lineup all through the day here at jmnam.org. You know what that's like. The Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten is coming up starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Well worth your time, both news-wise and music-wise. If you haven't liked the page on Facebook yet, uh, the page entitled uh, The Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten, go ahead and do so. It's facebook.com slash the Israel Show. You'll be glad you did. He'll keep you up to date on the news that he discusses, and, of course, he posts all the music that he plays as well, which is very, very cool. If you want to comment on our app, which seems to be pretty popular already this morning, then make sure to do so. All you got to do is go to the NSN app to the home screen, and you can comment away on anything that's happening during this show. Maybe you want to toss in a comment about the Kosher Halftime Show and having Lipa as the headliner, which seems to be the story these days. And I want to thank everybody who's uh, gone ahead and tossed in a a suggestion for the name of the brand new sandwich, the brand new burger that they're making at Teaneck Doghouse this weekend in honor of the occasion for the Kosher Halftime Show. And we'll be declaring a winner later in the week for that. So plenty going on, and I thank you all for participating. 29 minutes after 7 o'clock, a drop early from David Goldwasser. His words, Echanish Masar Avzev, Ben Rabbi and Esther Basar Rabbi Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Rambam says in Hilchus Tshuva, Gedola Tshuva, Greatest tshuva, that it brings a person close to the Divine Presence. It says that yesterday the individual could have been disgusting, distanced from Hashem, an abomination. But today the person is beloved and cherished, close and dear. A well-known chassid in a tzaddik of the Biyana Chassidim in Yerushalayim was Rav Nachum Yasser. He had merited that all of his children but one remained true to Torah life and were not influenced by the corrupt environment where they grew up. One son, though abandoned the Derech Torah, the ways of Torah and left home, Rav Nachum never mentioned that son's name and never spoke of his personal anguish in Tsar. Once, there was a group of Kolo fellows that were sitting together with Rav Nachum. They were learning this Rambam. One of the men asked, How was it possible for a person to be transformed from a detached and abominable individual, steeped in sin, to an endeared and treasured human being? 
Upon hearing this, Reb Nachum could no longer contain himself. All the many years of pent-up emotions exploded. He fiercely exclaimed, If I would merit that my son would come knocking on the door of my home and he would cry, Tata, I am here. I want to return to you. My love for him would be incredible. I wouldn't think for one moment of all the grief and heartbreak that I suffered for so many years because of him. I would be totally elated that my son has come home to his roots and returned to the ways of Hashem. Similarly explained Rav Nachum, Hashem is overjoyed and jubilant when his children do tshuva. It makes no difference how far the person is strayed. When the errant son returns home, he inspires a very powerful love. The Tana Develio says that Shomai Va'aretz, heaven and earth give testimony that more than a father waits for his son and more than a wife waits for her husband, Hashem sits and waits for Klau Yisroel to do tshuva. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
in the AM with the Adidim Choir. That's brand new. A selection entitled Hatov here at JM in the AM. 45 degrees afternoon showers and a high temperature of 53. Not bad for a February morning. 45 out there as we head back to school and back to work. And welcome back those who have been on vacation. Don't forget, keep it on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org. You will not regret it. Dr. Chaim Waxlack is with us uh, live via telephone. Dr. Waxlack is clinical, clinical director of the Hask Center. And there is something called a front door symposium that's going to be happening with the Office for People with Developmental Disabilities this coming Wednesday starting at 5 p.m. at the Hask Center on 63rd Street in Brooklyn, New York. And as Dr. Waxlock described to me off the air, this is a requirement for parents to attend if you want to access services like DAHAB programs, respite services, etc. So this is simply a very important reminder from the Hask Center for Parents of those with disabilities. Dr. Chaim Waxlack, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Nachum. Good morning. Good morning to you. All right, this is really what I said it is. This is an important reminder for any parent out there uh, whose children have any type of developmental disability. If they're not in this front door symposium, if they don't walk in that front door, so to speak, they may be losing out. That's that, that's correct. Uh, OPWDD uh, changed the, the process several years ago, and uh, one of the requirements was uh, that all parents have to attend this uh, symposium in order to learn before actually accessing any of the services. They need to learn in terms of what's uh, available, and uh, also there's an attempt to individualize uh, the uh, uh, services so that it's not one uh, size fits all, but uh, the parents get an opportunity to hear from the official of, of OPWDD exactly what is available, who is providing the services, right. and they have a sense of uh, some degree of uh, self-determination in terms of how they want to proceed from that uh, point onward. Now, how often does this happen, and how often does it happen on 63rd Street in Brooklyn? Well, I, it, it happens, uh, 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 I believe, on a monthly basis, and various different agencies sponsor it, but... Uh, Ahaska uh, has one of these uh, symposiums approximately every every half a year, uh, and the last one was about six months ago. And uh, it's uh, it's uh, important to realize that uh, it's sensitive uh, uh, to the uh, from community in terms of separate seating, in terms of the overall uh, focus is. Uh, providing the services that are required by our community as opposed to just the general uh, discussion, which uh, may not be particularly appropriate for uh, the audience uh, that we uh, hope to serve. All right, understood. So the Hask Center this coming Wednesday starting at 5 p.m. presents this front door symposium in collaboration with the OPWDD uh, it's an opportunity to literally open the front door to possibilities for your children and families. Uh, the information line is 718-535-1953. Again, that's 718-535-1953. This Wednesday, 5 p.m. at the Hask Center. What should people do? Should they call to make reservations? What should they do? Yes, it's, uh, it would be best if they could uh, make uh, a call uh, to Miriam Nemetsky, who is... Uh at that number and to make a reservation so that we don't overbook because sometimes there are uh, more 
people than there are uh, places. So it's very important to pre-register. All right. Information, speak with Miriam at 718-535-1953. Again, the Hask Center located at 1663rd Street in Brooklyn. The program this Wednesday starting at 5 p.m. Dr. Waxlack, I uh, appreciate you joining us. and I hope Thank a lot you very much for the opportunity and um, continue your wonderful work. I appreciate that. I hope those who are in need of this take advantage. Take advantage, everybody. Take advantage of it. 21 minutes before 8 o'clock. More coming up. This is JM in the AM. Monday morning on this February the 1st, the 22nd of Shvat, and we say good morning at 18 minutes before 8 o'clock. Shlomo Simcha off of the Fusion album here at JM in the AM. Well, we talk about Kosher Halftime Show. It's already a tradition that Shari Tzedek Medical Center has some role in what we're doing uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, last year, they really uh, made an impact right in the middle of the musical performances with a... Uh, 
a uh, short but very effective video about the uh, the work that they do and the accomplishments that they have on a regular basis. And the CEO of the American Committee of the Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, uh, who is um, uh, visiting us here at JM in the AM. And uh, thank you, Rachel. That was really weird. That was strange. Rachel's name just jumped out of my head. Rachel Wolf is here. She's CEO of the American Committee for Shared Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. It is really an honor to be here. JM in the AM has been a household name in my family uh, growing up for all these years. My dad, Howard Wolf, is probably your biggest fan. <laughs> all right. What's it like being uh, related to the biggest fan? That must be wonderful. It thank is not you. easy. It is not. It's a lot of work, but thank God. I appreciate it very much. Well, speaking about biggest fans, uh, if there's one thing you, as an institution, have worldwide, it's a lot of big fans. Shari Tzedek Medical Center has uh, made such an amazing and incredible number of inroads over the last so many decades, and it seems they just keep growing and growing and uh, coming forth with just a m- more and more amazing projects. It really is an, an incredibly special place. I've, I've had the great honor of working for the American Committee for Shari Tzedek now for uh, more than 14 years, wow. most of my professional life. And to see the growth that has, uh, that has really evolved over that time, it, it's remarkable. It's really a very special place. Uh, tell me about the Children's Hospital. I know this is something that's uh, extremely significant. It was uh, quite a celebration when it realized it was near completion what happened there this is true this is a project that uh that i take great pride in um i had the the privilege of being involved from the beginning from its inception when we decided to create this this new building that it, that stands adjacent to the main hospital uh, we started the project in 2007 and over the course of that time uh we developed a center that really deals with every aspect of childhood from inception all the way through adolescence and what you'll find that's amazing about this place is the attention to detail, the attention to making sure that the child feels uh, really at home. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one story in particular just that I, that I witnessed myself while I was there. Uh, there was one child who had been injured in a soccer accident with, it, with, uh, with his friends. He was really, really depressed. He was in the hospital. He was wearing the hospital gown. And some of his friends asked if they could come visit. And the kid said, I don't want my friends to visit. I'm embarrassed. I'm in the hospital. I'm wearing a gown. And so the hospital got together, the nurses, the doctors, and they found him, you know, this sports outfit that he could wear. Uh, they brought him into what we call our picnic area. There's a big soccer ball. It's a whole sort of play area that the kids could really enjoy. And they invited the class to come. And the reaction from his classmates as they were leaving is, you are so lucky that you get to be here. We want to stay, right? And so the number one complaint we've been receiving from patients of recent is they don't want to go home. And that's really remarkable, uh, something that's remarkable about this hospital, that, that the kids feel that this is their home away from home yeah, if they say, have to be. Say that about any hospital, my gosh. Uh, Rachel Wolf is here, CEO, American Committee, Sharad Sedek Medical Center in Yerushalayim. Um, it's no secret that Sharad Sedek has become, I guess, geographically and medically a very important hospital, especially when it comes to trauma patients. Too many of them, of course, these days are being brought in. But it does seem that Shireid Sedek's name as a location in the news reports of where these patients are going is more and more prevalent. Yeah, it's, re- it's really a credit to the head of our hospital, Professor Yonatan Halevi, who has always seen the hospitals need to develop whatever the current needs of, of, the, of the city are. In 2004, we rebuilt our emergency room understanding that this was a place that was going to be of critical need. And 
the numbers have, have skyrocketed. In the last 10 years, the number of people who are coming to our emergency room has more than doubled. Um, and unfortunately, right now, uh, as you said, because of location, because of its reputation, uh, the head of our trauma unit, Dr. Ophermarin, is is really at the top of his field. We've spoken to him on the air. You've, you've yeah. spoken to him, exactly. He's he's the, um, the doctor who's also the head of the um, Israel Field Hospital. Right. Um, and uh, Where did he travel to when we were speaking with him? I forgot already. Was, last was, was to Nepal. Right. He's been to Haiti, he's been to right. Japan. He shouldn't be needed again, but, right. but they are there if possible. But, yeah, unfortunately, this, uh, this emergency room is, is quite busy right now. Uh, Rachel Wolf is here. The next project, and uh, by the way, next week when, please God, we're in Jerusalem and the Jewish Unity Initiative heads from here to do programming in both Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, we hope to visit you guys and see what's happening uh, up close and personal. But the next project that you are uh, embarking on is what is going to be known as a uh, an enhanced neurological department. That is correct. Why? That, that, this is what we see as the next need of the community. Um, this is one of the areas that has not been a strength for us. And so when, you know, as as that evolves, we realized the neurology department is a place we need to put our focus. We're going to be creating a new stroke unit. Um, and so as we've done before with each of our departments, the head of the hospital, along with the architect, along with uh, some of the other senior physicians, they head out around the world. They look to find the best doctor they can find to bring to the hospital. The recruiting. So, the recruiting, exactly, who can find someone who both combines extreme medical excellence as well as compassion, which is really the underlying theme of the hospital in every step that you take, um, and, and as well as, as figuring out how to um, orient the department, how to, what kind of equipment is needed to make sure that you take the best of what what exists around the world and incorporate it into what our new our new vision will be. Right, and I and I, I spoke about geography earlier, but is it is it as central Jerusalem as you can get when it comes to a medical facility at this point? I mean, I mean, when, yeah, when 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 time, nothing comes close, right? Yeah, no, that, this is it. I mean, you know, Beaker Holland, which is a hospital right. that we took over in uh, 2012, so it's a sort of a satellite hospital of Shari Tzedek, um, that exists in the center of the city. Right. But in terms of the geographic location of most of the suburbs, the closest location is, is Shari Tzedek. We're right up the block from Har Herzl. It's it, right in Bayit Vagan. Why have you had such success with people outside of Israel supporting what you're doing in Israel? I think people understand that th- there's no such thing as outside of Israel. Many of, these, many of our supporters spend a great deal of time in Israel. They understand the need for a hospital uh, that's caring for the citizens of Jerusalem as well as themselves when they're in Israel, their extended family. Uh, and I think they connect to knowing that they're getting the top, the, you know, the highest level of medicine in this compassionate and supportive environment. Right. And uh, one of the unique things you've done is you've taken people from different places in the diaspora, and maybe from Israel itself, you could tell me. And you've actually, uh, you've actually brought them on tours of different areas of the world. You would think you'd bring them on a tour of the hospital in Israel, which I'm sure you have. Well, we do that but in well. addition to that, you take them on interesting journeys. You take them on interesting journeys that, I don't know. Most people would not embark on. It's true. This was an idea that was really thought of by uh, my former boss and mentor, Paul Glasser. The idea was a creative way to meet new people. How do you meet new people to, to get them to know about your hospital? And so we started in 2004 with a trip to Poland and Israel. And then we evolved in 2006 to a trip to China and Hong Kong. In 2008, we went to South Africa. 2010, we went to Ecuador, Peru, and the Galapagos. Wow. So this coming summer is the, it is the, is the next in our series, which we're very excited about. We'll be traveling on a river cruise down the Danube. Uh, we've, we're, we've brought with us, we're bringing uh, Rabbi J.J. Schachter and Dr. Erica Brown. Uh, we're bringing the comedian Modi to give uh. a little... Uh, 
uh, humor to the trip, um, but it'll really be an, ex- an exceptional experience. I encourage any of you, if you haven't signed up yet, we have about uh, 20 spots left. Um, it's an incredible, incredible trip, I can say. How many days is that? Leaves on August 16th, and it gets back on the 28th. We'll visit through Budapest and Vienna and Prague and smaller cities in the Wachau Valley. It's it's really uh, it's something not to be missed. And the Danube is a uh, is a um, guarantee. <laughs> exactly. They'll exactly. definitely be down the Danube. Exactly. Fully kosher. We take over the entire boat. It's uh, it's wonderful. Uh, Rachel Wolf is CEO of the American Committee of Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Uh, we spoke about the Children's Hospital. And uh, we spoke about the uh, <laughs> the cruise down the Danube. How do people get information about the trip? Uh, they can either call me at 212-764-8116, but they can get a full brochure of information on our website, www.acsz.org slash Danube. acsz.org slash Danube will get you the information you need about that special journey coming up on August the 16th, and um, how long is this going to take the Neurological Center to get to the point that you... Well, that all depends on us. <laughs> it, it really, I mean, most of most of the timing depends on, on the finances. Right. So, I mean, we anticipate it being uh, completed by the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. That's our right. hope. Is there a lot of interest from doctors around the world to come to Israel or not? Certainly. Uh, you see spikes during times, you know, certainly during times of crisis that people would like to volunteer. Um, but we have doctors who are reaching out to us throughout the year. We have several doctors, who, uh, especially one in particular, Dr. Kelson, who works at Sloan Kettering, who spends uh, several months a year at the hospital. It's certainly, uh, it's certainly an interest. That's for sure. Yep. Um, are you a football fan? I am a football fan. I mean, I, I typically say that once the Giants are out, the season has ended. <laughs> I come back for the, for the Super Bowl. And for the kosher <laughs> halftime show. Exactly. Yeah, my husband's a, uh, a Patriots <laughs> fan. We're still married. Um, so he thinks the season is over as well. But uh, well, yeah, I'm excited for I, Sunday. I thank you and the American Committee for Shari Tzedek for being involved in our kosher halftime show again. It, it is our great honor. It I appreciate that. It is a that. partnership we are very proud of. I thank you very much. And everybody out there will see. Uh, as he did last year, some of the uh, incredible accomplishments and statistics that Shari Tzedek in, in Israel has done and how the American Committee not only supports their work, but how people here support the American Committee's work and goes ahead and uh, and makes it a uh, not just viable, but a thriving medical center in Jerusalem. And we hope to visit Bezrat Hashem next week. Look forward to hosting you. So I appreciate that, certainly on our next visit to Israel. And um, that's part of our Jewish Unity Initiative. We hope to be there and see what's happening. And as I said... Uh, our mission is really one that's very positive, with a very positive message. But as we alluded to earlier, it is hard to walk the halls of Shari Tzedek and not realize how they are there in such traumatic and difficult situations as well. A lot of great things, a lot of great smachot, and wonderful things are happening there. But it's also in a very key place for those who uh, you know suffer during attacks etc so it's it's important after you visited the ER to go visit the maternity unit and see right. see some of the 22,000 babies a year that we deliver this this That's is how, what they're up to now 22,000? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know what that is per day? That I do not That I, is Oh my let's see. Gosh. Let's see your math skills. That's insane. That's insane. It it's pretty we believe it's the it's the largest maternity unit uh, in the western world. 22,000 <laughs> 
There's some very busy day. women in that city. That's got to be what, 60, 70, 80? It, it's, it's incredible. Something like it, that? It's really incredible. Am I anywhere close? I don't even know. <laughs> information about the American Committee for Shari Tzedek. Information about their cruise down the Danube, August the 16th. Information about coming and visit in Israel like we hope to do. Uh, you call 212-764-8116. That's 212-764-8116. Rachel Wolf has been a great friend. She's CEO of the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. And the website for the uh, trip, August the 16th, if you are interested or for any information, go to acsz.org, American Committee, Shari Tzedek, acsz.org slash Danube. Again, that's acsz.org slash Danube. Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you. Great seeing you. Great having you here. Thanks for the Kosher Halftime Show support, and thanks for... uh, Our pleasure. Have a fabulous trip next week. Greatly appreciate that. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Monday morning broadcast. By the way, on the uh, topic of the uh, number of babies born at Shari Tzedek, I guess, what, 60, 70, 80 a day? And then uh, Avi Strauss, who's here from Yeshua University, apparently calculated in his head and got something like 60.3. How do you like that? <laughs> so I wasn't far off, I'm proud to say. 8 o'clock in the morning on a Monday, and it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, it's jmnam.org. We have been um, committed, and we will continue to be committed, to thanking those who have been supportive of our Kosher Halftime Show, which is coming up Saturday night at the Teaneck Doghouse in Teaneck, New Jersey, and of course will be shown to the world Sunday through our app, through our website, etc. It is our way of uh, declaring that... Uh, Instead of avoiding secular and regular society, we go ahead and uh, and adjust things so that people have a kosher halftime show as opposed to what might be offered by others. That's the point, and I think most people are getting that point. Anyway, our friends at Yeshiva University are among them, and uh, Jerry Mansdorf is here. Jerry Mansdorf is Yeshiva University Director of Undergraduate Admissions and has actually brought along a couple of students this morning to celebrate the participation in the Kosher Halftime Show. How do you like that? Jerry Mansdorf, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. We're happy to be here. Now, here's what I was told. I was told that, and I hope I have this right, the way I'm going to describe it, that so far for the 2016-2017 academic year, you have the most undergraduate applications ever? Is that is that an accurate statement, what I'm saying? We do have the highest number of undergraduate applications for all three programs. Ever? Yes. Certainly in recent memory. Certainly in recent memory. <laughs> Why? Uh, I think it, it has a lot to do with what you just said about Yeshiva University being the only place really in the world where you can combine your excellent academic studies in a Torah framework, and I think that there's nowhere else that you can do that outside of Israel, and uh, Yeshiva University offers students that opportunity. I mean, Avi and Rachel are perfect examples of that here, uh, each studying different things. And uh, we'll speak, we'll speak with them, but if we go through their resumes, we're going to be here all morning. <laughs> I saw what they're doing with all their free time, my God. They know, they know how to use their college years very fruitfully, I'll tell you that much. Yes, they do. Actually, we brought in this year, to your question, we brought in this semester the largest number of students that we've brought in in a spring semester in I don't, at least six or seven years. Yeah. It's funny, though, because you know everyone wonders. It's no secret. Everybody wonders about the future of Yeshiva University. Everybody has all their conjectures and all their opinions, and everybody in the... You know how it is being, <laughs> how does it tell you about being in the Jewish world? It, it leads to speculation about everything. And yet with all that, it's obvious, just based on the numbers, that parents and students are very enthusiastic at, about being on those two campuses. There's Students are looking for a college experience. Students today are looking to to really have it all. And there's nowhere else that they can do that. They can't be part of the athletics part of the clubs, be on the editorial boards of the newspapers, part of a radio station. They can't do those things on other campuses because it will conflict with their lifestyle. And here they can. And with their religious schedule. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here they can do that. You put that very well, by the way. You really summed that up really well. Now, I'm serious. 
people don't realize you want a real campus experience with all the different elements you just described. You could try it anywhere in this country. And we've spoken to JLIC couples who are doing great jobs and, you know, campuses all over the country. But it's never going to be the way you just described it at YU. Right. It's a unique experience. It really is. And our students are extraordinary. You know, you said uh, what they're doing in all their spare time. Yeah. They don't have that much spare time. Well, not they anymore. Managed to, right. <laughs> <laughs> but they managed to fit it all in. And that's what's, that's what's quite amazing about most of them and very impressive. Managed to keep their grades up, managed to go on to professional uh professional uh, graduate programs and jobs after graduating from Yeshiva University and still manage to have it all. Uh, what happens now? It's February 1st. At what point do people find out if they're coming to YU next semester? How, how does your job work this time of year? <laughs> Our job works all year round. The right. admissions office really is quite busy all year round, contrary to, to what most people believe. They think there's a slowdown uh, at some points in the year, but there isn't. Uh, right now, we are at today is our final deadline for applications and the final notification date for students is going to be April 1st. All uh -huh. students including our honor students are going to hear from us about our decisions on April 1st. We hope to hear from them in the couple of weeks that follow that and then start gearing up for the next year. And are you still bringing in on the undergraduate level plenty from the New York and New Jersey area and plenty from outside the New York New Jersey area? Our student population right now is about 50-50. People tend to believe that most of our students come from the New York, New Jersey area. Well, some people tend to believe the opposite. And sometimes right. the opposite, that's true. That nobody's coming So let me correct that misconception, right. whichever one it is you have, that our students are divided about equally from the New York metro area, 50%, and from outside that area, about 50%. Jerry Manzorf, Director of Undergraduate Admissions, Yeshiva University, I want to thank them again. They are part of our uh, Kosher Halftime Show this coming uh, Saturday night and Sunday, <coughs> getting the message out, and a very important message it is. We're here with two students who uh, Jerry has brought along. Uh, Rachel Mursky is here. I, <laughs> instead of reading everything about you, <laughs> could you tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you spend your time up at uh, Stern College? Um, well, I, I mean, you have it in front of you, but right. um, on the basketball and softball team, I'm captain of both. Right. <laughs> Go Max. <laughs> um, How's the team doing? Uh, right now it's basketball season. Softball season started practice, yeah. the end of basketball season games. How now. is the basketball team doing? Um, we're fighting hard. Good. <laughs> every every game we're learning more, we're growing. Um, it's pretty tough out there. Who's but, your coach? Um, I've coached Michael Alone and Adrian Johnson. All right. So you got sports under your uh, on your resume. What else? <laughs> um, I'm also president of the Sharsharet Club. We're in the process now of planning a huge event on Thursday, Cake Wars, which all proceeds go to Sharsharet, which is a breast cancer awareness organization. Yeah, very familiar with it. Um, sure. So that's a lot of my time taking. And you're also pre-med. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> and it says here you're continuing the Mursky legacy at Yeshiva University. What does that mean? Uh, well, I guess it goes way back. <laughs> um, my great-grandfather was one of the founding Rosh Yeshiva at YU wow. and also professor of philosophy. And my grandfather was a dean of admissions, actually, and then became the dean of Stern and the vice president of academic affairs. Oh, so Dr. Mursky, Professor Mursky, these are all the... Uh, the people we either knew or heard about. Yeah, well, I never, years. unfortunately, met them, but they've set up great steps. So. Wow. Uh, you've also worked in the New York Presbyterian Hospital Emergency Department. You volunteered there. Yeah, I volunteer on Fridays. 
You still do that. Yeah. And you went to <laughs> and you went to Guatemala. How recently? Um, last winter, actually. For what purpose? Um, we went on a global health mission. Uh, we worked in clinics and also taught hygiene to children, how to wash their hands, how to brush their teeth, and just how to eat healthy. And you're a member of uh, JFEW, J-F-E-W Scholar. What is that? So it's a Jewish foundation for educating women, um, mostly in the sciences. It's something. It's a scholarship fellowship that I applied to before coming to Stern. Um, and it has multiple opportunities that I've taken advantage of and have yet to take advantage of. Not only just academic scholarship, but also I have a mentor at Stern that just you know keeps me in check with <laughs> everything that's going on. And also, um, there's also a scholarship to go do research, which I used to go do research in Israel for two months, uh, two summers ago. And there's also a scholarship to go to a conference, which I have yet to take advantage <laughs> of, but I'm excited to. <laughs> Rachel Mursky is here. What would you want people to know about why you would stirred? Um... I guess something that we talked about before about the 50-50%, right. the diversity. A lot of people don't know how diverse and that and how many opportunities that YU and Stern have, and I think that that's something that everyone should know. I mean, I've named a few opportunities that I've taken advantage of, and there are many more. Also, that Avi has... Oh, we'll get to Avi. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've met a lot of people here. Most of, most of my friends are all out-of-towners. Um, could be because of the sports teams. I don't know. But... Um, but it's a very different experience than I felt coming in, and I'm pleasantly surprised. Wow, very nice. Rachel Mursky, one of our students here today. Jerry Mansdorf, good choice, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good choice. What did you say? We have Rachel is an excellent choice. <laughs> However, I guarantee you that there are many excellent choices <laughs> in terms of students who could represent us. Well, Avi Strauss is here, his second year on campus at a Ford Yeshiva University. He's double majoring in both biology and political science. That's quite a combination. In the honors program, in Rabbi Adler Shear in the Mazer Yeshiva program, he's senior news editor of The Commentator. Yeah. Well, first, I'd like to say thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome, but I'm going to be careful what I say now. Those, commenta those commentator headlines well, can be a little uh, challenging well, well, sometimes. It, it is the news section, so you don't have to worry about my opinion. Um. Right, that's true, I guess. Uh, have you been involved in anything controversial? It's, it's rare, isn't it? That the commentator doesn't get involved in some controversy during the school it, year? It happens sometimes. Sometimes it's more, it's more of a reaction than it is the actual content in the, uh, in the news articles themselves. Interesting. And you're involved in Model United Nations. Yes. yes. How important is that to you? To me, it's yep. extremely important. I had an opportunity to do it in high school. If I felt it was a Where great... Where are you from? Uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. Oh. Heard of the place? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a great opportunity in high school to... Um, to be outside of the classroom and explore ideas that I was interested in and also to just speak in front of a, a room of my peers that I never had the opportunity to do and, um, and kind of hone my public speaking skills. Um, and now, one, as soon as I got on campus, I knew I had to apply. I knew I had to join. Last year, I was uh, assistant chair in the Midi Summit, and this year, I'm one of the undersecretary generals. Boy, oh boy, you're working your way up. Yeah. Um, what was the, cra I shouldn't say crazy, what was the most unusual country you ever represented? You did represent countries right, in your... Right, right. The most unusual country I represented was Rwanda in the, uh, in the space committee. <laughs> so... Are they in the... Do they have anything to do with space? <laughs> um, not so much, but, uh, I was able to work, work around that, and, uh, I actually won, uh, best delegate that year. Very so. nice. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you. You know, Nachum, we yes. should say that there are over 450 students who come from not only all across North America, but from, uh, countries outside of the U.S. as well. We have representatives coming to us from South Africa and Brazil this year, and they will be working on committee just as 
the students from all the Jewish day schools across the country. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. And Europe as well, right? Uh, Am I right? Or not wrong? this year, but this year, year Brazil and South Africa. Uh, it, 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 majoring in bio and political science, yes. do, do you also call that an unusual combination like me or not? Well, some people call it an unusual combination. I've met a few other students who do the same thing. Really? Yeah, the uh, the chair of the political science department is, is, is fascinated by it. She doesn't understand the <laughs> phenomenon. Um, but, you know, sometimes you choose sciences or for pre-health because you're interested in, you know, helping right. people you want a career that involves helping people, but there's other um, areas of study that also interest you. So for me, it's, uh, it's political science. It's, since I was in sixth grade, you know, my father got me reading the newspaper, and uh, I can't explain it, but I just, I love it, and um, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be close with my professors. Our classes aren't so big. Um, I spend a lot of time with the chair of the department. I get to, to peer tutor other students, so... I enjoy the opportunity to switch between, you know, two different fields of study. Yeah, school size has a lot to do with all this, you know. It's a, sort of like a perfect balance. Not too big, not too small. Good opportunity to be, uh, uh, to, to be interact, rather, with, with mentors and with teachers and academic, academicians, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, where are you from, by the way, Rachel? White Plains, New York. White Plains, New York. There you have it. So Avi Strauss and Rachel Mursky, you're telling us, Jerry Mansdorf, these are just two examples of these shining stars up at Yeshiva College and Stern College. Absolutely. Two of the many shining stars that are at Yeshiva and that are coming to Yeshiva. Yeah. Are these the ones you trot out for every one of those uh, admission meetings? Or, uh? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, guys, <laughs> were there any tryouts? Yeah. No. There are no tryouts. <laughs> And I must say, even when I said, you're going to have to get up really early in the morning to do this, they both said, yep, we're yeah. in. Didn't, didn't bother them. They were standing here at 5.15 in the morning. <laughs> Pretty amazing, I'll tell you. Their enthusiasm and their stamina was absolutely incredible. But hey, some college students have that, don't they? Yes, they As do. you see from their resumes and the way they piece together their schedule. Do you get a free minute at all, Rachel, ever? Um, I do. I do like to hang out with my friends, have some fun. <laughs> so, so it's not an issue. But you're able to do all this and. Yeah, I mean, well, my you'll have time to watch. Yeah. You'll have time to watch the kosher halftime show. Yeah, you'll definitely. Have, we have, have a. We actually have a. We um have our softball teams watching the whole the Super Bowl together. There you go. Together. The teams are my my friends. They're my family. So that so is. So remember the time. rule. Even if they don't watch it during the game. You could share it on Facebook and let them watch it a day later if you want. That's true. Okay, so remember that. Please, I'm begging both of you. <laughs> and Avi, you'll also have a chance to check it out? Uh, yes. Uh, my friend Noam Safir, president of Student Council, has been coordinating a, a, a viewing event of the Super Bowl. Are you serious? On campus, yeah. And I imagine we will be watching the, the halftime show. Are you a Lipa fan? A Lipa fan? How, I, how could you not be, How could right? you not be a Lipa fan? So Lipa's yeah. the special right. guest star. Right, you know, the United States has some group. I have no idea who it is. We have Lipo who's going to be doing the kosher halftime show. Isn't that exciting, Jared? We are very excited there about the go. halftime show. We are delighted to be part of it at YU. I appreciate that. Anything else you want to add on this February first deadline? I think we'd just like to say thank you to you, Nachum, for all that you do for us and the Jewish community, and for spreading the word about Yeshiva University, which I think. Your listeners have gotten a little taste of today, but should check out some more and yeah. see how it can work for them. There's no question you brought in some great shining examples. And you talk about being on campus and doing something you can't do on any other campus. That's why I am here right now. Everyone knows this from your president and I think everybody else. I'm in this chair 33 years later because I was able to do at Yeshiva University what I would not have been able to do on any other campus in the United States. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, and Yashikoa. I appreciate that. Information, just go to the website. What should people do? Yu.edu. Simple as that. 
Why use that idea? My thanks to Jerry Mansdorf, Director of Undergraduate Admissions up at Yeshiva University. My thanks to Avi Strauss, Teaneck, New Jersey. My thanks to Rachel Mursky, White Plains, New York. Continued success in all your studies and endeavors. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM, it's Alcellus Jr., volume number three. That's brand new. Monday morning on this 1st of February, the 22nd of Shvat. Welcome back to a Monday, especially for those who've been on vacation for the last couple of weeks. Thanks for tuning us in as we head back to school and back to work after Yeshiva break. Elliot Weiselberg in the Yeshiva League sports update tomorrow, 720 here at Jam in the AM. Great day, and I mean great day on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org and on the NSN app. Make sure to be tuned in as we continue to present amazing programming all through the day. The Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten is coming up. That will happen between 9 and 10 right after JM in the AM. So keep that in mind. And um, and um, that's happening again between 9 and 10 this morning. And a, a wonderful music mix starting at 12 noon today all through the day at jmtheam.org. So make sure to be tuned in. And enjoy. Well, Jason Gwertz is in our studio. Jason Gwertz is an executive producer for the business network CNBC. He's an experienced field producer who's covered the Middle East with a focus on Israel and Israeli business. He produced Beyond the Barrel, the race to fuel the future, which detailed Israeli-born energy technologies. He currently produces Power Lunch, broadcast live every day jointly from CNBC's global headquarters and the New York Stock Exchange, and he's the author of the brand-new book entitled Israel's Edge, Tal Piot, the IDF's Most Elite Unit. Jason Gortz, a Geffen Publishing House release. Jason Gortz, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It is a pleasure to have you here. Is, is the book out? Has it been released? It's uh, this month on Amazon. Uh, I've, some of my friends recently told me that uh, their Amazon orders have now said that the book is shipping. So I, <laughs> I know from my friends in Jerusalem that it is in the warehouse here in, in Newark. Uh, despite the fact there was a strike last week, it didn't make it, and it should be going out uh, you're one of the few daily. People, you're one of the few people that would know there was an Amazon strike, huh? Well, not an Amazon strike, a port strike at, at Newark. I mean, a port, okay, That's even right. more so. That's right. You're one of the few people who would know that <laughs> through your work in the business world. You know, what's interesting. Um, we, as observers of modern Jewish history, we, as people who care about Israel and who focus on Israel a lot, we are somewhat familiar with some of the elite groups, units, uh, I don't know, combat divisions, paratroopers. We are somewhat familiar with some of the top names of groups of people that are responsible for some of the most heroic and some of the most important episodes in modern Jewish history, including things that happen now, uh, whether it's uh, you know combating terror, making advances against the enemy, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it may be. Until I saw your book, I don't know if I had heard of Tal Piot, what you call the IDF's most elite unit. And one of the reasons might be is because it is not as, how do I put it, it is not as exciting, would that be the right way to put it? No, I would as, disagree with that. You would disagree with that. Yes. It, it's, not as, it's not as physically exciting as what some of the other groups do. Maybe not as romantic as what the paratroopers do when they when they uh, uh, propel over enemy lines, things like that. Would you say that? Would you agree with that at least? There have been no movies made about this unit. Ah. However, it is really the most important unit there is. Now, first off, let me tell you, there is some romanticism involved here because yeah. many of the guys from Talpiot do actually go on to lead uh, paratroopers. They go on to lead um, 
Sergeant McCall, they go on to lead um, troops in the field uh, from the navies. Many have flown F-16s in combat. Um, in addition to that, there's a, another guy who uh, is in, in an Air Force special unit. And what they do is they go behind enemy lines, they paint targets, making it easier for the bombers to come in. So these guys are also combat troops. Right. Um, and they often lead these uh, some of these elite divisions in the field. Now, I think what you're talking about, though, is, of course... Not every guy does. Um, in, in order to get into this unit, you have to agree to be in for 10 years. Can you imagine being 17 years old and committing to something for 10 years? And they will not take you for less. They will not take you for less. It's not an option. And the commitment is to do what? Sit behind a desk? To no, do not, a, not at it? all. For the first three years, what you do is you take courses at Hebrew University. Okay? Well, that physics, is sitting behind a desk. Physics, yeah. computer science, and mathematics. Right. Okay? Um, however, there's no break. Basically, what you're doing is in those three years, you're completing your degree in those three fields in the same amount of time it would take gifted students who are four or five years older than you just four years to do this. Okay, During your breaks from school, from Hebrew University, you go and you visit each combat unit that there is, from the artillery to the Navy to the Air Force, you name it, the paratroopers, the artillery, everything, and you learn how they do their jobs during your, your educational breaks. Then at the end of your three years of, of going from unit to unit... You're 20 years old now. You're 20 years old now. Um, then what you do is you get drafted, okay? Literally drafted into one of these, either into an uh, elite naval unit. They or tell you where to they go. They tell you, but they're, they're really matching you up based on what you're good at, based on what your, where your aptitude is. And they may send you to the Air Force. They may send you to a military contra- contractor, to an Elbit or to uh, Israel Aircraft Industries. Anywhere outside of Israel or never? Only inside of Israel at this point. Many later go on outside of Israel, but at this well, point... Well, that's on their own, right? Well, no, no. Well, uh, even they, under Israeli correct, jurisdiction. They may send you... Some Someplace where, right. say, uh, you know, it used to be, I don't want to name companies, but there used to be American companies that would contract for the IDF. And right. basically what, what some of these Tapiot soldiers would do is they would literally go into the field to some of these places in, in different countries, and they would become a liaison between um, the Army and, um, and, and the company. Let's because slow, let's, these guys know what they want. Let's slow down for a second. Sure. When someone is in Tapiot, and when someone's in year four, as you just described, mm-hmm. they're drafted into any of the categories you just mentioned. Do their family and friends know what they do? It's a, it, it is a secret, but you can. They one guy says in the book, we we become adept at being able to tell people what what we can tell them. Um, so so there are be- guidelines as to what you could tell people. Yeah, absolutely, and also what, it depends what, on where you go. How many Talpioters are there? There's about a thousand at this point in now, Israel. All, all men or not? No. Um, based from the seventh class on, which was 1985, 1986, they began to allow women. So this unit started in 1979, okay? Um, two professors who were in the United States at the time, two Israeli professors, saw what happened with the Yom Kippur War, and they were horrified. Um, Israel had lost its technological edge between 1967 and 1973. The Russians had flooded uh, Egypt and Syria with weapons, and France cut off Israel. France was Israel's main supplier. Um, Israel thought that it, it, it had been able to kill, vanquish these enemies and would not have any problems in the future. Of course, the Yom Kippur proved them wrong. They mm-hmm. lost the first few days of the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and course, badly, if you read it. Uh, they, they did come back and win, obviously. Yeah. obviously. Um, but they had a very tough time. So these two professors said, we need to take control of our own research and development. Okay, If we're not building and coming up with our own weapons, we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna lose. If we're not keeping up with Russia... We're going to lose because the Russians are supplying our enemies. 
And um, they tried to model it after uh, a thing that Xerox had done in, in Palo Alto called the Palo Alto Research Center, okay? That became very expensive, and they couldn't do it. So they decided to join with the Army. Now, it took the Army about six or seven years right. to really they come to, around to the idea. They had to pitch this, and, and Correct. they were rejected constantly. They, they were rejected over and over. And finally, in 1979, um, Begin was swept into office, right. and, and the Labor Party was swept out. Um, they, they saw daylight. And... Um, with you know a couple of snaps of the fingers and a couple of phone calls, their idea was in. And they may be surprised, some of the people who are the younger part of this audience, that Ariel Sharon was a major force behind it. That's right. Ariel Sharon is, is always very interested in education. He had yeah. a law degree. A lot of people don't know that. Um, he's a very smart man, and um, he, uh, he really was helped propel this, this, this unit, the creation of the unit. Tal P.O. today. First of all, why did you write the book? What made you so fascinated with this unit that, that so many people, including myself, have never heard of? First off, this unit really does everything. Um, and do you care that you wrote this, by the way? Well, for the, first, for the first... It took me about 10 years to research and write it. And I would say, for the first several years, they told me, you can't do it. It's impossible. You'll never get the information. We're not going to help you. Um, after about five or six years, I got a message to a friend of mine who said, I just got a call from uh, the Ministry of Defense. They now tell me they're not going to help you, but they're not going to stand in your way. Right. A few more years later, I was about to be finished with the book, and I get a phone call. We'll help you. Um, so I had to go back and redo some things, make sure that they had, um, had, had their chance to respond. I also let them read it, by the way. Right. Um, and I also voluntarily allowed the idea of censorship unit to read it as I mean, well. Yeah, but the idea of censorship unit, if other countries... See this? <laughs> I mean, you know, I didn't read the whole book, but I read enough to see that there's stuff in here that other countries maybe shouldn't know about. I don't know about shouldn't know about, and most of this is is public record. I really sort of put it together into one place. A lot of it's on some of it's on the internet, some of it is is out there. Um, How many people did you interview? Oh, I interviewed about, I think it was about 125. All top Yoders? No. Um, I also interviewed the founders of the program, or uh, the son of one of the founders of the program. Right. The founder had passed away. Um, and many people who were involved in the program but weren't actually top Um Now, for the first several years, the instructors, the instructors for this program were not top right. um, because it was, didn't they exist. didn't exist. Um, so I, I interviewed many of them. I also interviewed other people in, in the defense establishment to talk about uh, their role and also... Um, I, I talked to some people inside the Mossad who also deal with these people in terms of drafting them. Some of these people wind up with these secret units and, um, and, and intelligence uh, apparatus. Who is the number one top Yoder of all time? <laughs> well, there's a guy named Marius Nacht. Okay? I mean, that's an impossible question to answer. I one understand. of my favorites was, was but Marius Nacht. I'm glad Nacht. you have an answer, at least. Marius Nacht. Well, I have an answer to everything. Marius <laughs> Nacht. Um, founded Checkpoint, uh, the software company, and basically has become the leader in uh, software protection, making sure that nobody can, can break in and, and steal your software. Um, he's an amazing guy. Um, you know, when, when he first started the, 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 uh, you know, the company, Checkpoint, nobody had ever heard of Internet security. They didn't realize that it existed. So he went, basically he described himself as an old traveling salesman in the United States, going from company to company, living in his car for months at a time, and many of these companies that you hear of today would tell him, this company's never going to work. I'm never going to be connected to the Internet. There's no, no one's ever going to be connected to each other. It, it, it's never going to be a, per, a product that people want to buy. And obviously, he, he proved them wrong. Um, he, he has an amazing story. He was born in Romania. His, basically, his, uh, his family had to be ransomed out by the, by the Jewish agency. Was was paying about $5,000 a head. Was and, he um, the one that was responsible for that? Was, that might have been responsible for the cybersecurity infiltration that we've read about when it comes to Iran? I, I don't know the answer to that. Is it possible? 
I think he probably would have been out by now, but if Israel was involved in that, you could be sure that Talpiot was, was part of it. Right. But you do allude in the book that there's been some sort of admission from Israel. There, there have now. been uh, on 60 Minutes. Right. Um, the former CIA chief, Mayor Dagon, right. um, you know, sort of winked and nodded when, when he was asked the question. But that's About, really as close. What was it called? Stuxnet? Stuxnet, exactly. Right. That was as close as anybody's really gotten to, uh, to finding out exactly if Israel really was behind Israel's it. good at keeping secrets, huh? Well, usually, yes. Um, there are leaks. Um, right. Probably too many leaks. How, um, is it that, how is it that the people that love to gossip and troll are so good to keep secrets? That's right. Now, how is that possible? I, I, there are places where they're, they're more trustworthy. Apparently, the Mossad, they say, is much more trustworthy, and they believe that the Mossad does some secret negotiations and diplomacy that we'll probably never know about. Right. So when they really want something to stay locked up. But obviously, Israel's an open country with a very aggressive media, and um, and... And leaks happen far too often. Uh, Jason Gortz is here. The book is called Israel's Edge, Tal Piot, the IDF's most elite unit. And is that a, is that a... I know you mean that it's an accurate statement. Absolutely. But would any of the combat units that have, that again, have been known for their amazing accomplishments debate you on that? This unit is number one priority. So if you are asked to come into this unit, you are very much pressured to come into this unit. Right. If you want to be a fighter pilot, they say, sure, you can be a fighter pilot after you finish Talpiot. Out. Is, out, is that frustrating that is, for some of the teenagers? Yeah, it is frustrating, um, but almost to a head, they will agree and they will go to it. How um, early do they recruit? Do they walk into high schools and find kids who have yes. this incredible acumen? I mean, yes, is the answer to that question. They do that? Absolutely. There are also high schools in Israel that try to cater to Talpio and try to get their students in, several of them. Um, and there are several of them that are very good at it, at really trying to, to get their, their Can you students give me an example in. of that? Uh, sure. Leada, which is uh, the high school next to Jerusalem, um, it, it supplied, I think, almost uh, 10% of the early classes of Talpiot. Um There's a, another uh, a private school. Uh, Israel Center for Sciences. Um, right. It's a private school in Jerusalem, and they are, are another one that, that really uh, tries to get their kids into Talpiot. Now, the, the leader of that school was a former commander of Talpiot, so right. he knows how to do it. Um, and there's another school in Haifa um, that also caters to them. It's now 2016. Where would we be in this whole trying to keep up with what Iran is doing, trying to keep up with what every country in the Middle East is doing, trying to keep up with what Russia is doing, Trying to keep up with a lot of stuff. Where would we be without Talpiot? And by the way, trying to keep up with what the United States is doing. Um, this unit, Talpiot, has not only allowed Israel to far outweigh, far outpace what the Arab nations have done, they've kept up with the United States, Russia, and China, um, and, and in many cases surpassed them. Where would we be? We, we know, we meaning the Israelis, uh -huh. what China's doing. Yes, I'm sure. That's a very difficult task for a small country like Israel. And a very large country like China, and advanced in many ways. I think probably a lot of countries, though, know what China's doing. I'm sure a lot of countries keep their eyes on... You know, if we've learned anything, we learned last week, by the way, that the United States and the United Kingdom have been cracking into Israel's uh, unmanned aerial vehicles. Right, the um, Correct. Um, so if that can happen, you should certainly be able to imagine that, that anything is possible. All right, so today in 2016, what China does, what Russia does, what the United States does, Israel knows all about it. I'm sure. No question. Right. And without this unit... They may not know about it? or Well, without that unit, Israel wouldn't be nearly as far ahead as they are. Um, 
Israel would be much closer to parity, I would say. Well, certainly with Iran. Iran is a, a, a very technologically advanced country. Um, it shouldn't be poo-pooed. Iran is, has very smart people inside of Iran. Um, and uh, Talpiot is... And, and Talpiot and, and units like Talpiot, by the way, not just Talpiot, right. but Talpiot is the best example of it, um, ha, have been able to keep Israel a generation ahead of Iran. And we're really at, at pace in many cases with the United States. Right. So how does this help diplomatically and politically? When the United States and Israel sit down, I don't know, you know, in the White House East Room and they're just, you know, schmoozing over coffee, is Israel in a much different position because the United States knows that Israel has such a position of strength because of units like this? I would imagine uh, that Israel is a big player in the Middle East, and the United States knows that. And whether Tapio was there or not, I think Israel would still be a big player in the, in the Middle East. Understood. But here, Israel's able to either prove or to allude through rumor that they've got their eyes everywhere. No question. Um, I think the Mossad is, is very good at that also. And, and the Mossad has a much deeper and, I don't want to say darker, but, but certainly a, 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 a more known presence. Um, but these guys... Like I told you, are inside of Mossad, and they're helping Mossad. They're helping all sorts of the different intelligence agency, and they make everything better, much better. Jason Gwartz is in our studio. It's a Geffen Publishing House release. It's called Israel's Edge. Talpiot, the IDF's most elite unit. I'm assuming it's available everywhere, right? It is. Uh, Amazon.com is always a good place to get it to. Yeah. And uh, took you ten years to write this? Ten years to write it, research it, to have it edited. Twice. <laughs> uh, I mean, we had some, uh, so we went back and forth on some things, but they did a very good job for me. What was the, unless you want to tell me it's 2016, what was the um, highlight era of Talpiot? What was the, you know, hallmark era of Talpiot? Hmm. I would say 1979, the year that it was founded. Um, only because it set. In, in motion, this amazing chain of events where Israel really was able to get ahead of, of everybody. Um, so I would say 1979 is definitely a crowning year. I would also say the 15th class, by the way, was really, so that would have been, what, 1994, uh, 19, 19, I believe. Right. Um, they came up with a company called XIV, which was sold to IBM, and it was really the first company that Talpiotes had come up with that they've been able to sell for such a, a large amount of money. It had to do with memory and cloud computing. Um, but there, it was really an amazing bunch of guys in each of these classes. Um, they've done amazing things for Israel and for Israeli business. So if you'd go on a recruiting trip with the Talpiot folks today, you'd meet 16 and 17-year-olds that are simply amazing. No question. Um, well, I would say by the time they're in Talpiot, they're really 17 and 18. Yeah, but, but I'm talking about when they, even before they get in. You, you, oh. They're, they're looking for no people. No question. Now, you start young, off... Young men and women. Correct. Um, that was part of the founding ethos, is that you're, you want to tap this creative mind that's it's in like, a 16-year-old like, kid. It's like the NBA going after 11-year-old ballplayers. I mean, it's like, you know... It's, it's very similar. Yeah. That's a, a great analogy. It, it really is very similar. Um, in many cases, they start... People are really start looking to hopefully join this unit by the time they're 11 and 12 years old. Um, now, for the first time just recently, you can actually now apply to Talpiot. So while they do a lot of recruiting... And for the tell first time, them what you have to offer. Correct. I don't know if it works um, yeah. or not, or you know, exactly who, how they're targeting you know, that right combination. Now, they're not just looking for high IQ, by the way, in this unit. They're looking for potential leaders, people who can manage projects when they get older, and, and people, manage people. And manage people. Exactly right. Um, so they're, they're not, it used to be that at the very first 
first two or three years, they would say they were looking for eccentric nerds. That changed very quickly when they found out that these people actually have to work with people and they have to get along with people. And you have to make other people do things for you without sort of the threat of taking away finances or, or punishing them. You have mm-hmm. to make your peers be able to work with you. Also, this is very interesting, I think. You have to be able to work you have to be able to make senior officers in the army and executives that a lot of these defense contractors work with you. And it's not so easy for a 45-year-old executive who's uh, had everything his way for years to have some 23-year-old Talpio graduate come in and say, this isn't the way that we want it anymore. Um, and they have to do it nicely. Wow. It's actually a good business book when you think about it. No question. Because um, it, is a, it is partly a business book. It's partly an economics book. And it's partly a military book. Right. How to run a company, et cetera, et cetera. No question. You also describe in amazing detail, and I mention this because a lot of young people in the audience may not remember, probably don't remember, the situation Israel was in right after the start of the Yom Kippur War. It was a dire situation. And it's funny, and I use that, of course, in uh, quotation marks, that that disaster really was the birth of Talpia. Absolutely. Without it, I don't know if Israel would have gone in that direction. That's probably right. They probably would have tried to maintain the status quo. It's tough to uh, change things in a big machine like the IDF sometimes. Right. It's full of bureaucracy, and um, it shows that anything's possible. Unbelievable. Uh, very interesting book. Israel's Edge, Talpiot, the IDF's most elite unit, Jason Gortz, Geffen Publishing House, available everywhere. Jason's an executive producer for CNBC. And he has produced Beyond the Barrel, The Race to Fuel the Future, which detailed Israeli-born energy technologies. Are there still a lot of Israeli-born energy technologies out there? Absolutely. They're growing every day. No question. They're using everything from algae to, uh, to water. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He currently produces Power Lunch, broadcast every day jointly from CNBC's global headquarters and the New York Stock Exchange. And again, he's author of Israel's Edge, Talpiot, the IDF's most elite unit. Anything else you'd like to add about the book? Uh, buy it, but uh, I will tell you that my proceeds are going to go to Beit HaLachem to help uh, friends of the uh, Israeli uh, disabled veterans um, while the publisher keeps its its proceeds. I'm giving all of mine away um, to help uh, these these brave soldiers. Kalakavot. I think people in this audience will enjoy it. Israel's Edge, Talpiot, the IDS most elite unit, Jason Gortz. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. More coming up. It is a Monday morning broadcast, and this is JM in the AM. Salon. 
J.M. and the uh, J.M. and the A.M. The Solomon Brothers with the Maina Neely Mealy, 16 minutes before 9 o'clock. Monday morning on this 1st of February, the 22nd of Shvat. The um, Kosher Halftime Show is this weekend. Oh, yes. Kosher Halftime Show is this weekend. Teaneck Doghouse, Saturday night. Thank you, Shari Tzedek Medical Center. Rachel Wolf was here earlier. Thank you, University. Jerry Mansdorf and company were here earlier. Thank you to Jewish Link of uh, New Jersey. Moshe Kindelera joined us the other day. Thank you, Jonathan Gellis and the staff at the Teaneck Doghouse. Um, thank you, Mike Socher. Everybody who's working hard at the Neshama Orchestra to make sure our music is going to be spectacular for the Kosher Halftime Show. It is much appreciated. And... Um, Thanks to all of you for your enthusiasm about Lipa, about Lipa being the uh, featured star, the special guest star of the uh, Kosher Halftime Show. Hey, coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten. Last week, the State of Israel unveiled never-before-released documents containing the last public request of Adolf Eichmann. The Israel Show uncovers the surprising documents and shares the moving reply of the State of Israel. The U.S. State Department announced a directive banning made in Israel labeling on products of Yesha and the Golan. The Israel Show will analyze that. A student initiative at the Yeshiva High School in Petach Tikva has made big news in Israel. They'll bring you the heartwarming story and as always a great weekly mix of Israeli music. So the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten comes up next. You will not want to miss it. That's happening next between 9 and 10 o'clock right after... Uh, Israel, uh, right after JM in the AM. Uh, as I said, of course, it's coming uh, Sunday. It's the Kosher Halftime Show starring Lipa. will be at the Teaneck Doghouse on Saturday night. Big thank you to our friend Mr. A. Banda and everybody at Pomegranate as they present next week's unbelievable programming from Israel as we do a Jewish Unity Initiative visiting places in Israel that have been... Uh, that have become known recently for uh, not the greatest of episodes, but we will... Remind everybody as we visit there how important it is to continue to visit Israel. That's part of our programming next week right here at JM in the AM. 13 minutes before 9 o'clock. Here's Baruch Levine.
JM in the AM at the uh, Sheves Chaverim group with Am, Am, Am. That's the name of that one. Baruch Levine before that, Vayihib Bishurin. You heard the Solomon Brothers, Emanuel Neely Mealy. My thanks again to Jason Gortz and to all of our guests this morning. A lot of great people stopped by here at JM. And don't forget the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten is coming up. We'll do that uh, next between 9 and 10 o'clock right after JM and the AM on jmtheam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Uh, so get ready for that. Rami Kleinstein, Rami Kleinstein out of Israel, who we've been featuring recently here at JM in the AM, wraps things up for a Monday for us here at JM in the AM. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard a listener sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up a Monday for us here at JM and the AM. Thanks to all of our special guests. Thanks to all of the participants for the Kosher Halftime Show. Just coming up Sunday. Thank you, Lipa. If you missed Lipa's interview Thursday, by the way, he had some fantastic puns. 
if you're into uh, football, including uh, <laughs> including a reference to Cam Newsom. Cam Newsom and the uh, things you can learn from him as quarterback of Carolina. Anyway, uh, if you missed it, check out the archive section at jmdm.org or, of course, on the NSN app. Have a fabulous Monday. The Israel Show next with Mayor Weingarten on jmdm.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.